0: Thank you.
1: Everyone stand as we open in worship. The Great Commission tells us to go to all corners of the earth and tell about the good news. Let's do that this morning.
2: Good to see you this morning. Welcome, to Sunset Hills Baptist Church. I thank you for that applause. I don't normally get that when I come up here, but thank you so much. I remember learning that song. Do you know where you learned that song at? Can you tell me? No, I don't. remember. I was going to give you a hundred dollars if oh, you could. You missed that? I learned that song when I was like in third grade at the Cumberland City Methodist Church. And it was in Vacation Bible School, I learned that. And I remember singing it years later thinking, wait a minute, that's a Christmas song? You're supposed to sing that during Vacation Bible School. Just didn't seem right to sing it at Christmas, but it is a Christmas carol, a good one. Thank you for singing that this morning. And it's good to see you here, the worship this morning at Sunset Hills this is your first time to be with us we're glad you took time to come and and see these kids do a great job this morning with their lights ready to shine and and see everything else that's going to take place so thank you for coming if you're here for the first time We would really like to know who you are. You can do that in a couple of different ways. First of all, you can text it at the number that's on the screen just to say hi and give us some information about your your name and address. Or you can go by the uh, welcome kiosk out in the foyer and leave us information out there. But we really would like to say thanks for coming and spending time with us during this Christmas season as we worship uh, the king. Okay, move around. No, no, don't move around. That's a oh that was coming from way back when, I tell you just turn around and tell somebody uh, uh, Merry Christmas no let's do this I'm dreaming of a white Christmas yeah anybody dreaming of a white Christmas. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Congregation, you may be seated. We got something special going to happen right now.
1: I'm going to be very honest, that is very hard to follow, but we're going to try our best. Stand with us as we continue to worship him this morning.
3: Brother, all who live in love are Thine. Teach us how to love each other. Lift us to the joy divine. God our Father, Christ our Brother, all who live in love are Thine. Teach us how to love each other. Lift us to the joy divine. Joyful, we adore you. Hearts unfold like flowers before you. Joyful, joyful, we Oh
4: Be seated this morning.
5: During Christmas, surrounded by family and friends, we feel the warmth of knowing we belong in this place with these people. We feel the joy sometimes found in a living room, or we feel the jarring disappointment that can come when we sense, we do not. This season is a time of highs and lows, joy and depression, of rushing when we want to stand still. Within Christmas itself, we find opposites. Angels, heaven's most glorious citizens, mix and mingle with shepherds, Bethlehem's least, the God who chose to partner with an unwed mother to be born in a barn uses shepherds, the outcasts of the day, to be the first to hear the news that Emmanuel has come. The world has a habit of discarding what doesn't fit. Our God does the opposite. Isaiah 11 says that He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. God sends angels to shepherds and gathers in what the world throws out. God restores people to health and heals their wounds because they are called outcasts according to jeremiah thirty seventeen, and according to one night in bethlehem god cares for us as lambs god loves what we do not god calls us to love everyone no matter what we light this candle with for every child that God, we have lost our way and wants to come home because there is hope in Christ. And we light this candle for every child of God who longs for Jesus and for peace in God for our families and our communities. And we light this candle for every child of God who knows what it is like to be an outcast. God does not shut out, but welcomes in and gives joy which the world does not know. Let us pray. Dear God, you are the light of the world. In you there is no darkness at all. There are no outcasts, no one who is not good enough. As we continue on our journey through Advent, help us to remember that those who the world says do not belong, you welcome into your living room. Amen.
2: Well, we're in our second week of a series in the Advent season where we're looking at the Christmas story, the greatest, most miraculous birth in all of history of the universe. We've been looking at different rooms as we've traveled this journey in the typical home and taking into account different scenes that uh, may have happened in the story of Jesus' birth and what we've been so familiar with at the Christmas story. In this uh, series called welcome home we've walked through the front door as you may recall if you were here of our pretend home and we've exposed the junk room and today we look at the living room at least that's what we used to call it when I was growing up younger days my grandparents called it the parlor I don't know about you, but most of the Durham houses that we lived in, the living room was the most special room of the house. And what I mean by special was this that it contained the best furniture that my parents owned, as well as my grandparents. Most uh, form, mostly, it was the most formal type of furniture. Now, my dad and mom really didn't agree on the type of furniture that they liked. Dad liked the old Victorian-style furniture, and guess what was in our living room? The Victorian-style furniture. That was one of the first things she did was get rid of that when he passed away. It's like, get that junk out of here. You didn't eat on this furniture that was in the living room, nor did you lay down. It uh, you just it was just there. It was special. It had the most expensive lamps in it. I, I don't know if you had these kind of lamps when you were growing up, but they were in my house. It had these these really nice globes to them, and they they were like they they seemed to be hand painted. I don't know if they were or not, but they, they was kind of two pieces, and you you turn the switch on the first time you turn the switch on, it would it would the light at the top and then if you turned it again the light at the bottom would come on the top light would come off, go off and then if you turned it one more time both would light up did anybody have any lamps like that in your house do you still have lamps like that let you keep your hand up okay ah, they're cool hey if you got lamps like that you probably have a prized possession you should hang on to them nobody else wants them so you know it's like <laughs> sorry I you, you know I'm teasing about that you know Uh, The room stayed the cleanest of all the rooms in the house. You know why? Because nobody went in it. You weren't allowed. Used only when guests would come. It was where the Christmas tree in our particular house would be set up, the one that you could see through the front picture window you know what I'm talking about those houses of that time that era had maybe a big picture window and usually there would be two two smaller windows on each side and that's where mom and dad would place the tree the aluminum tree here's a picture of it you've probably seen this before that's the tree did anybody have an aluminum tree growing up like I did yeah and dad had this thing on it it had a wheel that would t- make it turn different colors and whatnot you know and so that's that we we had that that tree there uh it was in that room because that's where santa claus is the only room he could sneak in and leave the toys right you know nobody else was there it's so a popular design in the 50s and the 60s in the 70s and beyond from time to time mom and dad as we were growing up, would go pay a formal visit to another family, and occasionally us boys would go along with them. And whenever uh, this would happen, we knew that there was a pretty stout warning that was coming along with our visit before we got there on the way to the destination in our little Volkswagen VW Bug that Dad would drive. He would always tell us this, when we get there... You boys sit quietly on the couch and behave. Don't ask for about anything. Don't talk unless they say something to you. Don't put your feet on the furniture. No fighting. And you better not embarrass us if, uh, if you, if, uh, while we're there. And then they'd always have this other warning. If they ask you if you want something, say no. When we get to the house, Dad would knock on the door. The door would go straight into the living room. That'd be where we'd be expected to go, the nicest room in the house, the room that we never went into at our home. And while we were waiting for the people to answer the door, Mom would say, Remember, boys, behave, and don't ask for anything. And that was always a problem. Because without fail... There would always be a candy dish in that living room. Candy dishes were popular and a big deal during that time. And in that candy dish would be the same kind of candy that no matter what house you would go to, it would be there, and that's this yucky ribbon candy. You know, here's a picture of it, so you see exactly what I'm talking about. It was horrible, at least I thought so. Are you familiar with it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah? And it just seemed to be that it was in every living room that we would go to, and there was something really special about that candy. After a while of being exposed in that candy dish, you know what happens, don't you? It all sticks together, right? And, and, or, or maybe it just been in the dish way too long. I, one of the two. I, I, I been, tend to think it's probably been there just a bit too long, but not too long after the nice greeting that would take place and the invitation to sit on the furniture that seldom got sat on and the exchange of conversation that would inevitably take place, the lady would politely get up Go over to that candy dish that we had been staring at the whole time, and she would pick it up and she would start bringing it around, making her way to each one of us boys. To see if we wanted any of the candy now I don't know if this was a test that my mom and dad had set up ahead of time or what or maybe it was just pure torture that it would be that way but you know she would come around and 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 we uh, had been told that she if she offers us anything we're not to take it right it's a dilemma what do you do nice lady's trying to give her boys some candy and we've been told by our parents don't you dare take it you know don't take anything she offers it to the lady would insist and she keeps standing there you don't you want some sure it's okay your mom and dad won't mind they just told us that we couldn't have it what do you mean they won't mind we're gonna get a spanking if they do and finally after a while when we get the nod from mom or dad okay you can have it just take take one piece some of y'all been there you know and you've been in those living rooms right and so it, that's a problem, too, because you know what would happen with that candy? It would all be stuck together. Try to get one piece of that ribbon candy. It doesn't come just one piece. And then that's the next problem you got is you got to touch more than one piece. Doesn't your mom and dad teach you any manners? Only touch one piece. Well, how am I supposed to get one piece when five come out or the whole thing comes out? And then the next problem would come when you're starting to try to tear it apart. You know what happens? Pieces go flying every which way. You have this little mess of crumbs there, of that ribbon candy on the floor. Sheer torture. That would happen when we went to visit the living room. You know what? Scenes like that don't happen anymore. Well, I I, I venture to say, you guys right here, you're old enough. Have you ever had any ribbon candy? No. Have your parents ever told you to sit quietly and... No, I'm not going to ask you that. (laughs) You know what? Basically, we don't raise kids with the idea of seen and not heard anymore, right? Yeah. Or, probably the biggest reason we don't see this anymore, because houses aren't built with a formal living room, as in the past. The living room of today, why, it's much more casual. Maybe even called something different, like the family room or the den. Now, I know technically there's a difference in a living room and a family room or a den, In fact, if you were to look it up, you'd have a pretty good kind of lesson on what the difference is and the formality and the casual, all of that. I I get that, but for purposes of what I'm going to talk about this morning, uh, it's basically the same whether you call it the family room or the den or the classic living room. Basically, they're welcoming and comfortable. And we've come a long ways from the days of the parlor to a living room to a family room. So whatever you call it today, it's the room where f- the family does life. We don't have a formal la- living room like I described earlier in our house. We used to, in fact, the space that was once the um, the, fam- the, di- the I'm sorry, the living room is now our dining room we turned it into a tiny room Uh, we have a family room and in that family room that's opposite on the back part of the house uh, it's uh, a place where Lynn and I spend much of our time we spend more time in that room basically than any other room except maybe our bedroom where we sleep it's where we do life and we enjoy being in this family room Yesterday at the men's breakfast the question was asked as a as a warm-up exercise you could answer one of two questions what is your favorite christmas carol or what is your favorite tradition at christmas and I thought, well, I'll answer about my favorite Christmas carol because that was so much simpler than really what one of my favorite traditions are. I have a lot of favorites of traditions at Christmas time, but I thought, well, I'm just going to answer about the Christmas carol. And by the way, it is "O Holy Night." Okay? And I wasn't alone. Is anybody else that's your favorite Christmas carol? "O Holy Night." I think I'll sing it since y'all like it so much. Well, maybe not. But one of my favorite Christmas traditions that I truly enjoy is also one of my least favorite that I do. Want to guess what it is? The decorations. Yeah. Yeah. I truly enjoy the decorations in our home. I don't necessarily enjoy the decorating but once they're done I enjoy them we uh one of our family traditions that we broke from this year that I was really sad over and really had a few days that I had to just buck it up it's like uh uh, we normally would go out and almost for all these years of the last 30 something years 36 years we would go out and cut a Christmas tree Uh, go to a farm we'd cut it and drag it home. in, got it home and we decorated. I remember one of the first years we did this uh, after we were married, soon after uh, Lynn was pregnant and we uh, were doing a home renovation and we were just in the midst of all that and hadn't really had time to go out and get a Christmas tree. So instead of going and cutting it, we went to one of these places where they sell a Christmas tree and it was Christmas Eve and they were almost all gone and we got to almost the last tree. It was about this high and it is about this wide. It looked just like Lynn being pregnant. We called it the pregnant tree. Yes, can I come to somebody's dinner tomorrow night? Can I come visit your living room? I need a couch and a bed. <laughs> We have all these Christmas ornaments that we like to put on the tree. In fact, so this year we went and we got us an artificial tree. You know, it's pre-lit. The lights are too bright. It's not wide like the first one was. It's too small for all of our ornaments. took us three hours the other night to decorate the thing. Pulling out all of these special ornaments that we have. Lynn got almost all of them on there and you can't hardly see any green for all the ornaments that are hanging off of it (laughs) but you know what we have such a good time remembering those ornaments occasionally I'll 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 pull an ornament from some kid that gave her an ornament back when she was teaching school and uh, I'll try to find that kid and I'll say hey Remember giving this ornament to Mrs. Durham from like 30 years ago? You know, it's pretty cool to remember those things. Uh, Christmas, we love decorating all around our house. And we love putting a lot of decorations in this family room where our family will gather in just a few weeks on Christmas Day. But on that first Christmas, Joseph and Mary did not have a comfortable and welcoming family room to welcome their first child it was the opposite as we know not just the fact that he was born in a stable but far from where his parents lived from their hometown and soon after jesus was born in the ancestral city of bethlehem joseph and mary brought jesus to the temple in jerusalem and within months The family would have to journey by night to Egypt, you know the reason why, to escape the murderous rampage of King Herod. And in Egypt, the family found safety away from their home, away from their comfort place, until Herod's death. The Christmas story has all sorts of twists and turns complicated backstories of religious and political forces at work and divine and miraculous events that make it one of the most if not the most intriguing stories in all throughout all of history and it brings to mind quite honestly all sorts of questions of why and how uh, that really challenge our minds to believe the unbelievable some questions can be answered really by looking at the historical evidence and events that are documented through eyewitness accounts that have taken place and ancient prophecies, you can look into those and, and get some answers, while there are other questions that are strictly, well, you just have to rely on faith to know the answer to them. Or questions that we may not ever know the answers to until maybe we get to heaven we know for sure that jesus was born and that event changed history we know that he had a family he had a mother he had a father really really a stepfather and i'm intrigued by the plan that jesus that god would, would that god would uh, bring jesus make his entrance into the world as every other person has entered into the world through the birth canal. I mean that just uh, uh, intrigues me. Well every other person except to Adam and Eve as we know. The only exceptions to that were the ones that God created himself. But God chooses a family. God chooses for Jesus to have a mother who carries him to full term and delivers him just like all of us have been delivered and brought into this world. Why would God choose a family? Why would God choose Joseph to become Jesus' earthly stepfather? Actually, we're going to explore that one next week. And why would God choose someone as young as Mary to become his mother? I mean, these two people, Mary and Joseph, were just very common people. Nothing really special about them. They weren't raised in wealthy families. In that time, they certainly would not have had the, the, the luxury of a formal living room like is displayed up here uh, that would be off-limits to special guests. They didn't have that. Mary was just a normal girl, like many other girls of that day who had the same popular name. Her family was most likely poor, and she was young. And this astounds me. Only about 14 or so. It's no accident, however, that God chose her. Don't think that. He didn't just randomly look down one day and just look at the girls that were running around on the face of the earth and says, I choose you. He didn't do that. It was no accident that he chose her. I looked it up, and I thought, well, why did he choose her? And I thought, thought there was an interesting response from a place called Got Answers, or GotQuestions.org, and, and it talked about God's choice of this. And it had, gave some reasons, among many others, that maybe are only known to God. And that's what this, this website said, this, this, this place that is pretty interesting. It says, Mary was of the right lineage. Luke traces Mary's lineage through David, Boaz, Judah, Jacob, Isaac, and and Jacob. Her son would be qualified to bear the title of the son of David. And Mary was engaged also to a man who would be required to visit Bethlehem at just the right time, it goes on to say. And then it says that Mary was the fulfillment of prophecy of Isaiah 700 years earlier that said, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and be, will be called Emmanuel. The mother of Jesus had to be a virgin. And God was to put his, son, his own son into the hands of this virgin teenage girl. The gospel of Matthew verifies what it had to be the mother of jesus and it goes like this in uh, matthew chapter 1 verse 23 behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name emmanuel which is interpreted god with us she could not be married the world would assume that jesus had an earthly father she could not have a bad reputation, or no one would believe uh, her story about a virgin birth, not even her own family. The virgin birth, in, in bypassing a human father, circumvented the transmission of sin, of, a, a, uh, of sin nature, and allowed the Messiah to become a sinless man. So all of these things were God was orchestrating that would be fulfilled and and, and completed in this girl named Mary from Nazareth. Once again, verifying what prophecies given hundreds of years before Jesus' birth declared about the Messiah being of little reputation to be called a Nazarene or a Galilean was something of an insult in those days. Had Mary been wealthy, socially prestigious, or from an affluent family, Jesus could not have easily connected with those people of lower esteem that he did in his lifetime and in his ministry, the ones he came to save. But because he was from Nazareth, Mary's hometown, the humility and the commonness prophesied about him was fulfilled. These and maybe other reasons known only to God shows how God came to this decision that Mary would become the, Mary, the mother of the Messiah and Joseph would be his father. It's so interesting that I think also when you stop and consider these things that God would use a poor, unknown family to deliver a king. Here's how the story goes. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, who is Elizabeth and why she's pregnant? Elizabeth is Mary's relative, who, as we you know, was too old to give birth. An angel shows up to tell Mary that she's going to have a son. In fact, the very same angel that told Zechariah that he was going to have a son. It's an incredible story about a miraculous verse on on its own that impacts this family and more. God sent the angel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, just let it sink in a minute. She's minding her own business. She knows about her cousin. She knows about this miraculous birth of John. And then an angel appears to a 14-year-old girl. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. I don't know how I'd respond to something like that. An angel shows up. I mean, I think I'd probably, man, I've always wanted an angel. (laughs) Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. Let me just kind of, Soak it in for a minute. What do angels look like? Have you ever seen an angel? Anybody ever seen an angel? I've never seen an angel. All right. How does she know it's an angel? But it shows up. Actually, I think she's probably freaking out, as I would be. The Bible says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Shows up, say, I'm favored. The Lord's with me. I'd be confused and disturbed also. What does this mean? What's happening here? Then the angel said to her in Luke chapter 1, verse 30 Do not be afraid. Why didn't you say that at the beginning? You know? It would have just put me at ease more. Don't be afraid. Oh, uh, oh he says something else to her. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have been have found favor with God. I'm pretty sure if we were in her shoes, there would be all sorts of thoughts racing through her head. What will I do? Man, where can I run to? Is this it? I mean, is life over? This angel's coming to, he's coming to carry me home. I, obviously, she's afraid. But the angel, speaking in a voice that she can understand, says, Fear not. Don't be afraid. Instead, Mary, you have found favor with God. And putting her at ease, he tells her, God has favored you. God's going to favor me? Her mind must still be racing of thoughts of what does this mean? Favor. What's that look like? I, I just have a feeling... That Mary being fresh off of understanding about her cousin and the birth of John, that she's understanding there's some kind of association here that finding favor with God is a good thing. Uh, and while she knows it'll be good, this favor of God is still certainly something that she hadn't planned for. And this angel on behalf of god has something very different for her what mary is about to find out is she's favored by god but in a different kind of plan than what she probably expected he interrupts her life with choosing a different path for her to follow i guess you could say she was he was interrupting what she had planned to be her real comfortable life back with joseph in nazareth things are going to be pretty good when i marry joseph i mean has been engaged things plans have been made wow we'll have a bunch of kids we'll settle down joseph has a good job he's going to build things for the people in the community my life's going to be pretty good. But then comes along God, and He says, um, Hmm, i got different plans than your comfortable lifestyle that you're doing right now. You see, God often does that. He often interrupts what we consider to be real comfortable and does things that are very inconvenient. His purpose for us is so often different than what we have planned for ourselves the story goes on verse 31 you will conceive and give. whoa whoa, whoa, wait a minute (laughs) you're gonna what you're gonna conceive and give birth to a son you name him Jesus wow this is a definite plan that's happening down to what I'm gonna name the child he would be great and because the son of the most high the lord god will give you him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever his kingdom will never end and she asked a very legitimate question how will this be mary asked the angel i'm a virgin this can't happen to me it's impossible I know enough about how the birthing process works to know that this is not how it normally goes. you got a pretty absurd plan here. Virgins don't have babies. What you're saying is completely impossible. If you're a woman... You know what? Thank goodness that there are women in our lives. Christmas would not be Christmas without a woman. You know, I just go back to my, my childhood. Who bought all the presents at our house? My mom. Who wrapped them all up? My mom. Who did all the cooking at our house? Certainly not my dad. Thank goodness. Who buys all the presents at my house? Who does all the cooking at my house? Who's glad that I don't do the cooking, Brett, Andrew? <laughs> Certainly not. You guys, they don't want me to do any cooking. It's a good thing we have women at Christmas time. If there wasn't a woman at Christmas, we'd have no Christmas. Right? No, wouldn't, because it took Mary to create that first Christmas. You're probably thinking, if you're a woman, about the same thing. that Mary was thinking, oh my goodness, this can't happen. This is messing up my plans. What's Joseph going to say? Would Joseph still want me to be his wife? What will the neighbors think? Worse yet, what's my family going to say? What are the people going to say around me? I, I, oh, my goodness, I might even lose my life over this deal. Because, you see, pregnant women out of wedlock, why, that was a sin worthy or punishable by, by death from stoning. At least for a moment, she's trying to get a handle of what has happened. And you can imagine how crazy that would be. Here's Mary right on the verge of jeopardizing everything that was comfortable in her life, her family, her reputation, her love, her financial security, even her own life. Which brings me to kind of to another kind of side point here. Obeying God sometimes requires taking risk. Doing what he says sometimes says we have to get out of our comfort and take some risk. And God's purpose is way different than what she had planned. But God had plans for this. Long before she was even born, centuries before, God had chosen her to carry his son, the Son of God. Certainly not what she had planned. But God's about to do something spectacular through her. When he interrupts her plans, he's about to save the world. He's going to accomplish something that only he can do. God works that way. One of the really cool things that we get to look back on in life is how God worked through some really confusing and difficult times in our, li- in our lives. Things we not, did not necessarily plan for, didn't hope for, didn't maybe want. But God chose to use that situation, that circumstance, that event, to work us into His plan. The angel replied, and gives really a, a an answer to Mary's question, "How how will this be?" And he starts describing. Well, it's totally a ridiculous answer to her. Oh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Gabriel, you're telling me that I'm going to have a son? He's not even going to be the son of Joseph, but he's going to be the son of God? He goes on, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she was... uh, who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month. And then there's an amazing Scripture that follows all this up. And it's a Scripture that really that I hope that you take home with you today. Uh, You've probably read it many times. You've heard it many times. But the angel says this, for nothing is impossible with God. It's a life-changing scripture that when we claim this, it can do incredible things in our life. of believing... That nothing is impossible with God. And, and let me just say this. Whether you believe this or not, it's still true. Nothing is impossible with God. It does not say only a few things are possible God. Only the easy things are possible God. It doesn't even say if you believe nothing is impossible God. It says nothing is impossible with God. In the scripture, this Christmas story reminds us that if God can do all this, It makes us wonder, what is there in our life that seems too impossible for Him to do that if we'll just surrender it to Him, He might very well do the impossible. The same God who did this impossible thing back in that first Christmas story continues to do impossible things today, amen? He's still working. He's still doing What is there in your life that seems too impossible for Him? Nothing is according to His plan for you. Nothing. The same God can do anything. And here's another thing. God may ask you to believe something that seems unbelievable, to attempt something that seems impossible that you can ever accomplish. And you can accomplish it on your own, but with His help, the impossible becomes possible. There are many scriptures that reinforce this. If God does the impossible, let me give you just a few. But Jesus looked at him and said, With man this is impossible, with God all things are possible. This is Jesus who is affirming what the angel said to Mary years le- er- earlier. Jesus saying, with God all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26. Job 42, 2, way back. In the Old Testament days, I know that you can do all things, Job says. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. There's not anything that can interfere with what you want to do, God. Nothing. In Jeremiah 32, 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? You get the picture? God makes it clear that he can do all things, and we have privilege to that promise. It's an incredible announcement that Gabriel is making to Mary. God announces the Son of God will be born of a virgin. God does the impossible. So that brings me to a question here. What is it that God needs to do to do for you? It seems impossible. It doesn't have to be huge, <laughs> man. I, I just wouldn't it be really cool if God came to one of you all, uh, old women, and said, "You were gonna, excuse me, <laughs> one of you old women said you're going to have a child." I mean, wouldn't that be cool? And, and anybody want to volunteer? Lord, look at me. I see no hands. That'd be pretty huge if it happened. Leon, don't be praying that prayer, please. You see, we kind of look for God to do big things maybe it's just a small prayer that you've been praying, God, to intervene for you or for someone else. Maybe to change the heart of someone who's going down the wrong path. Is that impossible for God? No. I didn't set my clock. It's 11.01. one. Now that I've told you, don't pay attention to it. I'm about done. I had to have an echocardiogram done this past week, just to check make sure everything's still working with the valves they put inside my heart. And when I went in, a guy by the name of um, W.J. came back and he, uh, he said... Mr. Durham, I'm ready for you. He took me back to the room and started preparing what needed to happen for him to do that echocardiogram. And he found out I was a pastor. And whenever somebody seems to find out I'm a pastor, I get to hear their whole life story. <laughs> no exception to this. He said, Man, have I got a testimony for you? And he did spectacular dropped out of school when he was in high school living in the woods I'm thinking you're doing this to my heart (laughs) you've been living in the woods and he keeps on telling his story how he became disabled and Some funds were made available for him to go to school. So he went to enroll in a local college, and they basically said, "Uh, you're not college material. You can't go to school. Through some other means and ways, he was able to go to a school a counselor, a college counselor, and the college counselor says, uh, "It appears you've got some problems." And they gave him the test uh, to get in. It appears you've got some problems with reading. He said, "Yes." It appears you've got some problems with algebra. He said, "Yes." He thought, "Whoever uses algebra?" I agree with that. Whoever uses algebra? Why they have it in school? I don't know. But he starts telling me this story of how God started intervening in his life graduated from college as an honor student and god kept directing him even though his his college degree wasn't in the field that he was now doing he goes back to school and he learns how to do all this stuff and he started he's telling me he says god so affected my heart i wanted to turn around and help people with their hearts Don't tell me God's not still doing impossible things in big ways and little ways. Maybe you have given up on praying for somebody or God changing your own heart. Never forget this, for nothing is impossible with God. That's what the angel said. And then Mary gives a reply back. And it's a great lesson for us. And she says two things that we should have a part of our as, as a part of our vocabulary. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. When God's asking you something, the right reply is this I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said, I am your servant. In other words, I have no fear in what you're saying to me about your plans because I'm the Lord's servant. And I know you've got the best in store for me. I'm your servant, God, and I trust you. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to question it. I trust you. I believe you. I am your servant. And may it be, let it come. Let it come. Please don't think that when Mary got to this point... Of surrendering to God that she had a remember it said she was favored that she had an easy life the rest of her life she didn't she had a very difficult life it was hard as we're told of her leaving behind the comforts of her home in Nazareth in pregnancy and then soon after Soon, having to go for several years into a foreign country, away from her family, no family close by to help her out, no grandparents for the baby to stay with when she needed to run errands. She didn't have any of that. And by the way, it says, the Bible affirms this, that in years to come she would have more children. Jesus grew up in this bustling, growing family. Matthew makes it clear that Joseph and Mary... Uh, uh, did not have children before jesus's birth but but however there were other half siblings that came along matthew names four brothers james joseph simon and judas and there were at least two sisters that came along jesus was the oldest of what appears to be seven other children mary didn't have it easy She had duty with all of those children. And then it says later on, Jesus' own mother and brother supported her ministry. And you recall that she was standing there, part of the crowd, when he was hanging on the cross. And then when the church started, she's named among the 120 that became the first members of the church. She did not have an easy life, but she was faithful. She got out of that comfort. And in that, guess what she found? She found peace about what God had assigned to her. I trust you. I place all my doubts and fears in your care. And I'm ready. Willingly, joyfully, dutifully left the comforts of her home to be the servant of God. So let me ask you this question. In this season of this heightened awareness of the Christmas story, do you see yourself as Mary did, a servant, willing to leave the comfort of your living room? I'm not talking about this room in your house. I'm talking about the living room of your life. To the point you're willing to say, may it be to me as you have said. Would you bow your heads in prayer, please? I pray that question would just be seared in our minds for a moment, God. that each of us would look at Mary's life and we would understand that she truly was a servant who surrendered what was probably going to be a a comfortable, not, not a wealthy by any means, but a comfortable lifestyle and placed herself at a position of saying, may it be to me as you have said and we would just let that kind of sink into our minds today and what you're calling us to do may it be to me as you have said what is your plan father help us to discover that maybe we know what it is But without a shadow of a doubt for every one of us, your plan because of what Jesus did was for us to come to a saving position, a saving knowledge of Jesus so that he can make that right relationship with you possible for us. So maybe that's the starting point of just saying, I surrender my life and I want to discover your plans. I want to be saved. I want Jesus to come and do for me what He's done for millions, billions of people to save me from my sins. Maybe, Father, we just need to get to that point of where we are just like Mary. We have a knowledge of God. We have a knowledge of who You are. And yet we just keep hanging on to that comfortable place that living room that we really don't want to leave, that living room where we got all sorts of uh, of just things that, that satisfy us, but maybe you're calling us to step away from that into the uncomfortable because someone needs to hear from us. And we can impact others by being obedient to you. Father, I pray that if there's one here today that just needs to answer a call, that they'll be obedient, and they'll say yes. Right now. In a simple prayer, you can say yes. What you're calling me, Father, I say yes. I'd love for you to come and share it with me if you have. Maybe there's some business you need to do in this altar today. Then in a moment during this time of singing, of invitation, you're welcome to come and get on your knees or ask me to pray with you. Just spend time with God to do your business with Him. Help us be obedient, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand and sing.
4: Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, and I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can hear. Brush of angels wings, I see glory on each face.
1: sing this with us this morning
4: Surely the presence
6: of the
4: Lord is in this place I can feel his mighty power and his grace I I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Yes, surely the presence of the Lord.
2: as Father to realize that it's not just this place where your presence is. It's not just when we come to church. But your presence is there with us all the time. And we can leave this place no matter if we're going to a restaurant, no matter if we're going back to our comfortable living rooms, watching some ball game. If we're out doing something that you've called us to do of good for someone else, we don't go alone. We go with you. We're never alone when you're in our life. And help us to know that your your presence is with us to give us confidence, to give us hope, to rest assured in those promises that you've given to us. Thank you for that we ask these things and we thank you for these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. May be seated, please. You got some? It's good to
1: be in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, A lot of things still coming up this Christmas season. This week we have uh, children's ministry parties and we have our student ministry Christmas party. Super excited about that. Uh, that's going to be this coming Friday. Uh, we're going bowling. I'm going to school these teenagers on the lanes. And we're going to tear up CC's Pizza, All You Can Eat. Man, they don't see us coming. we got some kids that love to eat pizza. So it's going to be a good time. But most importantly, celebrating uh, what Christmas means, and that's uh, the birth of, of the Christ child. So uh, be in prayer for us uh, this week as we um, continue... To do ministry there. Armor of God Women's Winter Bible Study, if you haven't already signed up for that, it's beginning January the 11th. Um, It's a short seven weeks, so it's not on and on. Uh, I know sometimes um, those Bible studies can be longer. This is a short and sweet, uh, perfect time for the ladies to get together, and I know Priscilla Schreier is a a favorite writer of so many of yours. And so the Armor of God, um, that's going to be the women's a women's Bible Study, Christmas Eve candlelight service. I know that's a family tradition for so many. If it's not, it should be. Five o'clock. Um, that's Christmas Eve, and then Christmas morning we're not having life groups, but we'll be here at ten o'clock for worship. And so we encourage you to uh, make both of those a part of your of your plans this Christmas season. Also, if you haven't already supported international missions, you can do that through um, our Lottie Moon offering, and that's a part of our our card system—you've you, seen cards out front, and uh, instead of paying postage there, we encourage you as you exchange cards to people within our church um, that that money that normally you would pay to postage that you would uh, donate that to international missions. And there's envelopes out there that make that available. Hey, I want to take just a moment—a oh, quick to, moment. Hey, to we're going to
2: watch a quick video. on Oh, that.
4: let's do that. All right.
2: You want to join me on the couch? Oh, well, I'm sit over here. Yeah!
0: We don't see points on a map. They aren't just places to us. We see stories of lives living without the hope found in Jesus. Today, somewhere between the Great Commission and the great multitude, we find ourselves facing the world's greatest problem. Lostness. Even in the midst of natural disasters, humanitarian crises, and political instability, Southern Baptists send IMB missionaries to give their lives to the lost, living amongst those who have never heard the gospel. People in hard to reach places, people in cities, and those who are dispersed and displaced around the world. At the IMB, we believe that missionary presence cultivates gospel access. Gospel access that knows no geographic or social boundary. We believe that missionary presence fuels gospel belief, and we see the results. We see lives transformed, generations forever changed, and churches planted, local expressions of the church that take ownership and thrive. God has made our purpose clear. Together, we seek to take the gospel to every nation, to all tribes, to all peoples, to all languages. We don't see places on a map, we see our place in fulfilling the Great Commission. This is our mission, this is your mission, and we are reaching the nations together.
1: Wow, that's why we do what we do. I love that. Hey, I wanted to just take a special moment just to thank Cheryl uh lewis for playing for us for the last couple of weeks she's uh, going to be in the lobbies before after life group before worship just uh, getting us in that christmas spirit thank you cheryl and then sandy sidlow and she knocked it out of the park with those cookies this morning if you haven't had one of those cookies they're all homemade and uh, i just think some of the best cookies i've ever had so thank you so much we appreciate y'all so
2: just a couple of quick announcements there will be a deacons meeting this coming Wednesday evening at 6 30 so men, please be here for that also uh, next Sunday morning immediately following the the worship service there'll be a very brief business meeting for the purpose of uh, uh, affirming our deacon selection team uh, the names of our, our according to our Constitution bylaws, we submit those names who have been chosen by the deacon body to serve on a deacon selection team for our upcoming office of deacons uh, for the couple of, next couple of years. So we'll be having a quick meeting just to affirm that uh, in, in next Sunday following the worship service so that they can begin their work. This morning, I am happy to say to you that we have some folks who are coming to be a part of our church family. Daryl and Stephanie Dietz, would you guys come and join me for a moment? Um, uh, They've been coming for a pretty good while now since they moved back to Tennessee, and we have welcomed them, and you saw Stephanie was doing some of the reading this morning. They've done other things. So we're grateful that you have come to say, hey, we want this to be our church family. Now, I'll say that I've known these guys for a number of years. Uh, their daughters were in our school at Radnor Baptist Academy. Stephanie taught in our school for several years. And and uh, so now it's just a, a different relationship, and, and I'm grateful for that. So thank you for your service to us in times past and what God's going to do to bless us in the future. And if you guys would go in the lobby out there, and uh, you can go and welcome folks and uh, you welcome them into our congregation aren't you glad they're here this morning would you express your appreciation again would you please stand again if this is your first time be with us thanks for coming this morning didn't the kids do a great job this morning Oh, oh wonderful job and uh priest play for mike the children's pastor he is homesick, very sick the whole family has been sick this past week so you pray for him and others that you have there God we thank you for this day bless us in what we do may we be mindful of everything that you've done for us and never look at anything that's too hard for you to do we ask these things in Jesus name Amen Hi good morning this is
1: Kelly I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word PRAYER to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.